I just wanted to start off this morning by talking about my shirt. Uh, I've heard about 10 people this morning comment on it. Yes, it's flowery. This is my prophetic declaration that the snow needs to leave. Amen? Spring. Come on, spring, man. Get over here. Here we go. All right, well, I'm excited about this morning. We're going to have fun together, aren't we? That was not convincing whatsoever. Now, maybe I should... No, I'm just kidding. All right, cool. But yeah, we're going to have fun today. We're, We're in our series called This Is Us. And it's a series, in this series, we're looking at relationships. We're talking about community and how we can become the people that we're supposed to be. And really, this series is all about what it takes for us to deepen and to build our relationships with one another, with those around us, and also what it takes to protect those relationships at all costs. We're talking about community. And on that topic, grab one of these green cards. It's probably on the seat beside you. Maybe you're sitting on it right now. It'll be nice and warm when you pick it up. And uh, we're talking about launch parties. We're, we are launching this new thing in our church. It's really not new, it's old, but it's a new thing. We're calling it AAC Communities. This is like our group's ministry here at the church. And w- whether you've been in a group or you're, you're in a group now or you're not in a group, whether you've been here for three days or 33 years, I don't care. I want you to come to this. I want you to come to this. Join me at one of these parties, whether that's Wednesday, March 21st or, or Saturday, March 24th. Come and, and hear Vision for Communities. We're talking about this. This is important uh, to us, to, to the body of Christ. It's important to our church. And we want everybody plugged into a, to a community. And we don't, we'll talk about what exactly that looks like, but everybody needs to be plugged in. So plan, plan to, to join me at one of these, all right? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Man, this is, this is an interesting crowd this morning. We are awake, right? I know there was that hour. We lost an hour, but here, here we go. Ready? Let's jump in. All right. So we're in this series. It's called This Is Us. And so far, we've talked about a variety of things, right? Three weeks ago, Pastor Nate talked about honor, how we need to foster a culture of honor in our relationships. Then two weeks ago, Pastor Sandy talked about love, right? We need to love one another. If we want to be honored and loved, we therefore then need to extend honor and love to others, right? It's like simple math, like Ben was doing this morning. It just, it's better that way. And then, and then last Sunday, Pastor Sandy talked about this, this, this idea of self-awareness, right? He talked about blind spots, about how so often we have these areas in our, in our lives that others can see, others know about it, but we ourselves, we might be blind to it. And so, therefore, we need to grow in self-awareness, right? We need, to, we need to grow in these areas because if we want to have healthy relationships, man, when we have to bring our best selves to the party, right? Launch party, come to it, bring your best self. Here we go. Well, anyways, today, well, the foundation's been laid for us in terms of how to build and strengthen relationships. I, I want to talk about this, this, this idea of protecting our relationships, uh, and, and protecting our, our unity, our, our, our community, by going after what I am affectionately calling this morning these things called community killers. Can you guys say that? Community killers. Community killers. Here we go. In, in Psalm 133, you guys can pull out your Bibles and, and go there right now. Psalm 133, we have this passage, and it, it really speaks to God's heart for unity in our relationships. Psalm 133, this was King David, he wrote these words, right? He was that famous king, that famous poet and psalm writer, the man after God's heart, and filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Inspired by the Spirit of God, he wrote these words right here, Psalm 133, verse 1. He writes this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. 
How good and pleasing it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, just to be clear, this, this verse isn't advocating that we all pack up our homes, right? Sell our houses and move to some weird Christian commune farm in Crossfield, okay? Just to be clear, that's not what he's talking about. That sounds fun. However, however, the psalmist is talking about here how, how it's, 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 it's so good to, to be united in our relationships, how, how we're, we're supposed to be at peace with one another. We're called to do life together, not, not divided, not in opposition with each other, man, but, but together, unified. And this is a good thing, he's saying, right? It's a, it's a good thing. It's a desirable thing, unity. It's something that pleases God. And, and, and apparently, it's something that we should be working towards as the people of God, right? How good and pleasant it is when, when God's people live together in unity. Uh, our relationships are worth protecting. Would you agree? Man, they're worth fighting for. As men and women made in the image and likeness uh, of God, we've been created to be in relationship with one another. We know this. We've been preaching this now for three weeks. We're, we're doing it again this week and next Sunday. We, we were made to be in community with one another. We're, we're made for this. It's how we we're wired. It's, it's just how God designed things. It's how he designed the church to be this, this community of men and women in relationship, in, in unity with one another. And, and, and this is why community is something worth fighting for, friends. It's worth protecting because it, it's something that actually benefits us. Did you know that? There's benefits of community. We're talking about that next Sunday. Don't miss it. There are benefits to community. Whether we realize it or not, we have all been created with this this, this need for, 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 for community, this thing that can only be met by, by spending time with others, by being in, invested in others, in relationship with others. It's a spiritual need. It's an emotional need. And only community can meet it. And this is why we've got to go after those things that seek to destroy community, right? So I, I want you to come along with me this morning to a couple of passages. We're going to be looking at a variety of scriptures today. But two right off the bat here, Ephesians chapter 4, and then John 17. You can put your, your uh, finger or bookmark, whatever, in that other place. But Ephesians 4 is where we're going to start, starting at verse 1, and then jumping over to John 17 after that. And these are the words of the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 4, he's speaking to the church in Ephesus, to the Christians there. And he says these words, Ephesians 4, verse 1. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I, Paul urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So we have received a calling. Did you know that? We've got to live our lives worthy of that calling. So then what does he say? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. He's talking about relationships here, right? And then note this, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. All right, let me, let me ask a question. What's, what's Paul really saying here? Is this confusing at all? Is it ambiguous? Is it hard to track along with him? I don't think so. Right? I think it's pretty clear. He's saying we, we need to make every effort to protect our what? Our unity. Right? We've got to protect this. In other words, we need to be diligent about this, conscientious, wholeheartedly committed to, to this, to ensuring that there, there, is, there is unity in our relationships, our community, that our, our relationships are healthy, that there's peace between you and me, that, that we're together, we're unified, we're one, and, and we're to make what kind of effort in doing this? Man, every effort, he says. 
The, the Greek word being used here is spudazzo. Kind of sounds like this like Italian thing, right? Godfather, like spudazzo. <laughs> you know? Right? But it's Greek. It's Greek. It's spudazzo. And it, and it has this idea of, of physically exerting oneself, okay? It's this idea of an Olympic sprinter, man. He's giving it everything he's got. He's barreling down the track, trying to be number one. Don't picture me running down a track. That is not spudazzo, okay? Picture a guy that's jacked, man. He's buff. He's lean. He's, he's giving her everything he's got, every, every last effort, blood, sweat, and tears, man. He's going after that gold, making every effort, exerting himself, giving it everything he's got. That's the kind of effort Paul says we, we need to, to, to put into keeping the unity of the Spirit. He's saying fight for healthy community. Do you hear it, friends? Fight for healthy community. I love what Paul says in Romans 12, 18. As far as it depends on you, he says, live at peace with all people. As far as it depends on you, if at all possible, live at peace with all people. You, you see, community, unity... It's, it's worth protecting. It's, it's worth fighting for. And this is why we've got to go hard after those things that would seek to destroy the unity that Christ came to bring us. Man, we've got to make every effort, Paul says, to keep the unity of the Spirit. And this is why sometimes you've got to do the hard work of, of going after those things that would stir up in the community, right? Dissension, conflict, division. Man, we've got to go hard after those and so let me just say this, today's an introspection day, all right? We're, we're going to go after some areas here because in each of us, man, we have tendencies, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not, we, we have tendencies that, that kind of are unhealthy to community. So we're going to go after these things called community killers. All right, well, if that hasn't convinced you, yeah, I want to hit one more text here, John 17. I said we're going to go there, right? You guys can turn there now. John chapter 17, New Testament. And this passage is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer, all right? This is, this is a really cool passage. It's, it's here where Jesus prays for his disciples. John 17, he prays for himself, his disciples, and not just those that were, that were with him while he was alive and on earth. He also prays for all those who would one day come to faith in him. He, he's praying for you and me in this passage. Isn't that cool? He's praying for us. Right here, John 17. One thing I also love about this, John 17, Jesus finishes his ministry with prayer. Right? He, he finishes his ministry with prayer. Actually, you go all the way back, track through the, the Gospels, Jesus starts his ministry with prayer. Luke chapter 3, he's at his baptism, and, and Luke writes that the Spirit of God descended upon him while he was praying and then he prays all throughout his ministry. And then right here, John 17, just, just hours before he's about to die, be arrested and crucified, hung on a cross. What does he stop to do? Man, he stops. He pauses to pray. He pauses to pray. Let's read this text together. John 17, verse 11, second half of this verse. Holy Father, he prays. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you have given me. So the name of Jesus, right? Powerful, more powerful than any other name. Has the power to demolish strongholds, right? He says, protect them by the power of the name you gave me so that they may be, what? One, as we are one. Right, what's he praying for here, friends? He's praying for unity. And then jump down to verse 20. Verse 20, he says this, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who's he talking about now? 
us. Right? He says, I pray also that, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me. Isn't that cool? Man, Jesus has given us glory. He shares his glory with us. Before we were even a twinkle in our dad's eye, you know what I'm talking about? Before we even thought of, dreamt of, created, man, we were already given glory from Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, have loved us. Even as you have loved me, he prays. Wow. Wow. Did you catch what he's praying for? And he's on his way to the cross, and he, and he stops to pray for unity, for a united church. Not the denomination, okay? He's praying for us. That, that, that we, man, his church, his bride, his beloved kids, his friends, that, that we would, would be of one heart and of one mind and of one spirit, that we'd be united, we'd be together, at peace with one another, not divided, man, not at odds, not just kind of uh, enduring each other's presence, no, man, but enjoying each other. One, united, unified. This is what he's praying for. He's warring in the spirit on our behalf right here in John 17. It's the last thing he does before he dies. And why is he doing this? Why is Jesus stopping to do this, friends? Because this was his mission. This was his mission. This was the mission of Jesus. It was unity, right? That through his, his life, his, his death, his resurrection, his uh, ascension and, and exaltation and glorification, that, that, he would, that he would reunite back to the Father the whole of creation. That he would bring completeness, relational, spiritual wholeness between God and man, us included. It's unity. This was why Jesus left the throne room of heaven, friends, and came to earth in the form of a man, why he died on the cross for us. It was for unity, to reunite us back to the Father, a people who had been severed uh, from relationship with God because of our sin. This was his mission. What do we, what do we read in 1 Timothy 2, 4-6? The words will be on the screen. 1 Timothy 2, that, that God, our Savior, he wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. Jesus is our mediator, friends. This, this was his mandate, his mission, right? To reunite creator with creation, bringing it back together. And, and now because of him, because of what he's done, we now have reconciliation. We, we have restoration. We have relationship, don't we? We have unity with God. Praise Jesus. We got unity with one another. It's beautiful. This is what Jesus died for. It's what he prayed for. It's what he fought for in John 17. It was unity. That we could live together once again as the people of God. So why should we fight for unity? Man, why should we protect our relationships at all costs, letting nothing come between us? Why, why should we fight to protect this thing called the community of God? Because our God and Savior gave his very life that we could be in relationship with him and with one another. And this is why community is worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for. Something else, just really quickly, I want to point out in the text is how 
This, this idea of unity, it wasn't just Jesus' mission, it's actually our mission as well. I don't know if you picked that up at all. But notice what he prays in verses 21 and 23. Second half of 21, he says, Father, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you catch that? And then verse 23, may they be one as we are one because then, he says, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Are you catching what he's saying? He's praying for unity amongst his, his followers because unity, our unity with one another, he's saying it's actually an expression, a witness to those around us of the relational reuniting that we have now experienced with God through Christ. It's a witness. He sees as we, as we live out true community with one another, that those far from God, they're going to see that and be drawn to it. Why? Because unity is attractive, man. It's different, it's otherworldly, it's beautiful, it's kingdom, it's, it's attractive. And as those who are far from God, as they see and experience that unity, that, that us, right, this group of once sinful and rebellious, broken people, now, now being saved, being redeemed by the grace of Jesus, it's as they see that, that, that they're going to be drawn toward Jesus, just like we once were, drawn towards Jesus, the one through who his, his death a possible relationship with God and with man. This is why unity is so vital. That's why you got to fight. When we see stuff popping up, people stirring the pot, even tendencies in our own selves to just bring division, cause some chaos now and then, we got to put that stuff to death, don't we? we gotta, unity, community, relationship, it's what we're fighting for. we got to protect it at all costs. The sake of the mission depends on it. So if unity really is something we need to fight for, if we really do need to make you know, every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, then how, how do we do that? How do we do that? The answer, and this is where we're going to have some fun, okay? We go after those things called community killers. Community killers. Can we have fun in church this morning? Again, I'm not convinced, man. This is... Can we have fun? Praise God. Awesome. All right, so what are these community killers, right? What are these things that work to destroy the unity that Jesus fought so hard to establish here in our, here, here in our, our community, our church, his church? Well, really, these, these community killers, they're, they're kind of types of people. They're tendencies that many, many of us have, and, and they're, they're kinds of people who, whether they realize it or not, through their words, their, their actions, their mannerisms, they, they actually work to destroy community rather than building it up. You see, they're, they're unity killers. They're destructive in their relationships, and, and these things need to be addressed, brought into the light, and, and put to death. Not that the people, let me clarify that. We're not putting people to death today, okay? We're putting sinful kind of tendencies or habits to death. And, and I just want to say this, this isn't like a witch hunt Sunday, all right? We're not like, hmm, I wonder who's the community killer in the crowd this morning, all right? We're, we're actually, we're doing some introspection. It's time to look at our hearts. I've been doing this this week, and this is good. It's a good practice just to do regularly. Okay, Jesus, shine a light in here. What, what do I need to surrender to you? What, what's maybe going on that I'm blind to, that I'm not seeing? Let's, let's deal with it. Let's put it to death because we, uh, we want to have healthy relationships. Amen? All right. So what are these community killers? Can you guys make a drum roll? Ready? What are these killers? You ready for it? Here we go. They're vampires, drama queens, and me monsters. I don't know why you're laughing. That wasn't supposed to be fun. No, I'm kidding. It was funny. All right, but I'm serious. 
We're, we're going after these three kinds of peoples, vampires, drama queens, and me monsters, all right? And we're going to start this morning with our first on this list of community killers, me monsters. Show of hand, has anyone experienced a me monster in the wild before? Anybody encounter this kind of person? Nobody's, all right. Cool, man. Me monsters. Okay, so let me give an example. Maybe you're out at a dinner party. Right, you're hanging out with some friends, you're eating supper, and somebody at the table is talking pretty much for everybody else. Me, myself, and I, and I did this, and I can't tell you that because me, and me, and me, and me, and me. Right? They're just talking about themselves. It's all about me. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? It's, it's me, it's me, it's me. Every conversation, man, every time we go for coffee, every time we just hang out, even for a few minutes, all they ever want to talk about is them. Are you tracking with me? These kinds of people, man, they just love the sound of their voice, don't they? Right? They, they, they love to talk, 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 and they love to talk about themselves. They're me monsters. It's all about them. No one else can get a word in, man. They have to have the first word. They've got to have the, the last word. They've got to have every itty-bitty little word in the middle, too, right? They just talk. Man, they're me monsters. It's all about themselves. And, and if ever we just want to kind of, you know, join the conversation, we try to talk about, about ourselves, our kids, our lives. Maybe we want to share something personal or deep. Maybe, maybe we want to talk about our struggles, where, where we're, we're seeing Jesus work in our lives. They just kind of flip it around on them, right, don't they? Me, me, me. It's only ever always about me. And so they have this tendency to just talk about themselves. And also they have this tendency to kind of one-up everybody else. Have you guys noticed that? Me monsters, man, they try to outdo you. They try to outshine everybody around them. They, they always want to do better than, than everybody else. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, hey, I, yeah, I got two wisdom teeth pulled. They're like, yeah, well, I had five. And I didn't use any pain medication because I'm hardcore, right? Me monsters, man. Or it's like, yeah, I played a great game of golf. Yeah, well, I golf with Barack Obama, you know? Like, I know these are kind of silly examples, but they just, they just want to one-up you, man, every, every time. And they have this, this incessant need to be first all the time, man, first, to be, to be the loudest, to be better than, than everybody else around them, to be number one. And, and usually it's this desire, this drive in them. It causes... It causes them to, to damage the relationships of those around them. This pursuit of, of greatness, it, it comes at the cost of community, of relationship. Me monsters, their, their whole existence, it revolves around them and their inflated ego. It's an unhealthy view of who they are, who, who they think they are, right? And it's, a, it's an existence that all too often, it's, it's rooted in, in pride. It's rooted in arrogance, in this desire for power and prestige and acknowledgement that, that they're the best, man. It's narcissism on steroids. It's what I call it. It's crazy. Me monsters. And it's a killer of community. I want to talk about a story here. Come with me to Mark chapter 10. It's a story that illustrates this. You know, obviously, the scripture doesn't wor- use these words, vampires, me monsters, drama queens, but it sure kind of talks about these people. So let's go to Mark chapter 10, to this, this story, and as you're flipping there, let me just give you some, some context. Here Mark's gospel, chapter 10, after what seems to be probably a number of days of teaching, Jesus has been teaching the crowds, teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God, its ways, its values, how, how this thing called the kingdom is supposed to be different, Right? How it's, how it's something unique, it's other, it's otherworldly, that it's unlike the kingdom of this world. And, and he's, he's trying to teach people that God doesn't value the same things that sometimes we value. He doesn't value wealth, right? Trying to just accumulate all this stuff that we can, money and, 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 and things. 
Uh, he, he, God, God doesn't value status or power, right? Just trying to climb the corporate ladder, trying to get higher than everybody else. But instead, Jesus is teaching the people how, how the values of the kingdom, and they're about humility. The values of the kingdom are, are service unto one another. It talks about kids in, in this context too, right? How beautiful the faith of children is. How we shouldn't be shunning or looking down on kids, but celebrating them. Their youthfulness, their innocence, their joy, their faith. And, and he's teaching them about the values of the kingdom. And he, and he, and he culminates this moment by, by talking about how very soon he's going to have to go and suffer and die and, and give his very life for his disciples. And so it's in this context that we come to our story, Mark 10, starting at verse 35. Let me read this for us. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's kind of gutsy, isn't it? It's brash, man. I love how gentle Jesus is. Listen to how he, he answers. What, what do you want me to do for you guys, right? And they replied, let, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking, he says. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they're like, we can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jesus says to them, you, you will drink the cup I drink. You will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left, it's not for me to grant, he says. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And then verse 41, he says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. So what's going on here in the story? And clearly, Jesus has just encountered some me monsters, hasn't he? Me, me, me. It's all about me. Give me what I want, man. Give me power. Give me position and authority and glory. Give me the recognition that I deserve because I'm convinced that I, I'm number one. It's only ever always about numero uno, me. This was the request of James and John, right? So, sit on your right and left, and those are positions of, uh, of authority, of power, dominion. And so it's, it's so ironic, isn't it? That, that this request, which is so rooted in pride, comes probably just minutes after Jesus just talks about what true greatness in the kingdom looks like. Humility. Dying for others. Yeah, Jesus, feed my pride. Thanks, that was good and all, but uh, I want to be number one. Me monster, right? And then notice what happens in verse 40, 41. The others become indignant, Scripture says. They're ticked, man. They're angry. They're, they're upset. They can't believe that James and John would have the audacity to go and ask this. And, and we've got to ask ourselves, why are they mad? And probably because that was the same posture of their hearts. They want to be number one. They want to sit in those positions of power and authority. And you see, friends, me monsters, this, this heart attitude of pride, of needing to be better than those around us, this heart attitude only seeks to destroy the unity that Christ died to give us. We see it right here. They're starting to butt heads, right? There's quarrel, there's dissension. No me, no me, no me, no me, no me! Or I, or myself. E-monsters, man, they operate at the expense of everybody else around them. And it's a community killer. And this kind of heart attitude 
It will only ever, let me say this again, it will only ever result in, in broken or strained relationships, in hurt feelings, in, in frustration, in, in division of community. So what we need to realize, friends, is that it's actually not about you. It's not about us. It's not about me. We have a value here at the church. It's called others. And the slogan behind it is, it's not just about you. I love it because it's so true, isn't it? It's actually not about me. The call of the gospel is a call to what? To die. (laughs) It's not about me. It's actually about Jesus, isn't it? It's about serving one another. It's about the sake of the world. There is a world that is lost and who don't know Jesus and who when they die, they're going to go to hell. Man, it's about the sake of the mission. It's not about me. And so if you think that it is, I'm just going to tell you really gently, I love you, but you're wrong. (laughs) It's not about you. It's never been about you. Yes, you're loved. Yes, you're cherished in, in the heavenly realms, but it's not actually about you. It's about so much more, man. And we're called to, to give our lives for Jesus for the sake of the mission, not, not to just always be receiving and puffing ourselves up. 1 John 3.16, and, and note this. This is John writing this, okay? John, the same John who went to Jesus and said, hey, bro, can I be number one? I think he learned some things over the course of his life. Listen to what he writes in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. He says, Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And then notice this, and we ought to do the same. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. You see, he's realizing it's not about me anymore. It's not about me. It's never been about me. It's about him. It's about others. It's about the lost. And so we've got to put the me monster to death, don't we? If we want to have healthy, healthy relationships, healthy community, we've got to put the me monster to death. All right, up next on the docket, it's this thing I like to call the drama queen. The drama queen, okay? It's community killer number two. And men, no, you are not exempt from this category. All right, I said it. Here we go. So why am I calling this group of people community killers? Well, simply, friends, because their desire for drama, for chaos, for division, it seeks only to bring about the destruction of community, Right? It just leads to the demise of the, of the community. They thrive off of conflict, off of disagreements with other people, off of seeing others squirm when the spotlight is on them. They thrive on this. Why? Why do they, why do, they do this? Because as long as, man, the drama's over here, right? As, as long as the spotlight's on you, it's not on me. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? And, and so they talk, drama queens, they gossip. They lie, they slander, they strategize, they, they stoke the fires of conflict. They divide and they conquer, they manipulate and they fake it and they tell you exactly what you want to hear. They're nice on the outside, they flatter you, they flatter those around them and yet they, they kind of have this secret hatred, this secret resentment deep in their hearts. And they just love to point out the faults, the sins of other people and all the while just kind of ignoring the, the garbage that's going on deep inside of here. They're drama queens. They thrive on conflict, on friction. Why? Because issues over there, man, it takes the spotlight on the issues that are actually deep down inside of here. It's drama queens. They're community killers. And the reason they do this, we've got to talk about that. The reason they do this, why do they do this? I I think it's one of two reasons. First, I think it's rooted in insecurity. I really do. 
It's rooted in a lack of confidence, a lack of a belief, of a knowledge of who they are. They think, I have no value. It's an inability to see themselves as the Father sees them, of one who is worthy of the price of the blood of Jesus. It's a lack of identity, and they're insecure because they don't know who they are. They don't know whose they are. And this fuels them to create chaos in the community, to seek out division amongst those they're in relationship with because it's the only way they know how to feel secure, to feel safe. And then so often, drama queens are also those who are, this is the second part, rooted in in shame. They do what they do because they're ashamed of who they are. There's this, this unbridled fear in them of being found out for who they think they are on the inside. Maybe this sounds familiar to you, this, this voice in your head, right? It's a script that kind of plays over and over and over again. Man, I'm such a, and you can fill in the blank. I'm such a screw-up. I'm such a pervert. I'm such a pornographer, a pathetic loser. I'm such a thief. I'm a liar. I'm a cheat. I'm a hot mess, man. I'm a waste of life. I'm a, I'm a bleepity bleep. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's this script that plays in our head. If this is at all a recognizable voice that you hear inside of your head, this negative self-talk, friend, I'm telling you that you're living in shame. You're living under the weight of condemnation. The enemy is condemning you for, for who he says you are, but what you need to be listening to is to the voice of the Father, who, who instead he says, yeah, that's what you were, but not any longer. Man, because you've been washed, you, you, you've been cleansed, you've been justified, you've been sanctified by the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit that is at work and, and living in you right now. You see, that, that's not who we are, that's who we, we were. And Jesus says, this, this is who you are. The Father says, this is who you are. You see, what's tragic about drama queens those who are living under this insurmountable weight of shame, it's that they've been tricked into believing all that negative stuff. That that's, that's their identity. That's, what, that's the, the makeup of who they are, and that's all there is to life. It's the best it's ever going to get. And so out of desperation, what do they do? They, they try to run. They try to hide. They, they try to distract, and they do all they know how to do in order to draw that attention, that spotlight away from here and over onto there. Because if anybody ever found out that that was really me on the inside, they think, oh, man, I'll never be loved. No one will ever want to be in a relationship with me. And so they just they keep the spotlight over there and over there and over there and over there and always away from here. If you're here today, and this is you, if you're that kind of person who, who does this, who habitually kind of stirs the pot, just trying to draw attention away from yourself and onto others, just, just so you'll be safe for another day. And I'm telling you, friend, you don't need to live like this. You don't. You don't need to hurt others. You don't need to hurt yourself any longer. No, Jesus is offering you today a clean slate. He is. He wants to give you a new identity. He wants to remove from you the weight of sin and shame and condemnation. He wants to heal you of that, that, that wound that's deep down in your soul. The insecurity, the loneliness, the rejection the fear of never being loved, the the anger, the hatred, the rage. He wants to heal you. But there's some things you got to do first. You you need to confess. You need to repent. you got to acknowledge what you've done, that maybe what you're still doing, it's wrong. It's hurting others. It's wrecking the community. It's wrecking your relationships. 
and it needs to stop. You don't need to be a drama queen to, to feel secure, man. You just need to realize that, that you don't need to be a queen, man, but you're already a prince or a princess in the kingdom, aren't you? That's who God says you are. You have a royal identity. You're part of his royal priesthood. You need to live into that identity, friends. And so that's why we need to put to death our drama queen tendencies. Would you agree? Because it just wrecks the community, man. All right. Final community killer. You guys ready for it? One more drum roll. Can you guys just please me? Yeah? Yeah, I love that sound. That's great. All right. The last, the last group of people, we're talking about vampires. All right? Vampires. A couple people thought that was funny. All right. So uh, why, why would I call this group of people vampires? Anybody want to guess? Because they suck, right? Man, right? You guys think it was like old-timey movie, somebody with like a pale white face, I want to suck your blood, right? I'll be doing autographs later. Just kidding. But they suck, right? They, they do. They, they suck and they suck and they, and they suck the very life out of the community, don't they? You see vampires, friends, whether they know it or not, and so often they don't even realize it. They're actually a drain on the relationships. They're a drain on their family. They're a drain on their friends, on their spouse, on their kids, on their church. And vampires are a drain on everybody around them. Why? Because they take and they take and they take and they never offer or acknowledge a need to give back or to contribute. They just want to take. You see, they're consumers. They're They're leeches. They, they just love to get all they can out of others, and so they, they take, you know, save me, serve me, help me, do this for me, meet my needs, do things my way. I want, I want, I want, I need, I need, I need. Does this sound at all familiar? If the person next to you is a vampire, just give them a little bump. Just kidding. Don't do that. I see it was too late for a couple of you. Sorry. We'll, we'll do some counseling later, right? But, uh, friends, this, this is the voice of the vampire. It is. Right? It's, it's a person. It's the voice of somebody who's needy. And I, and I don't just mean they have healthy needs like everybody else. Right? We, we have needs, don't we? We, we have needs for, for relationship, friendship. We have, we have needs for care and compassion, needs for accountability. But when I talk about vampires, these are people who have you know, unhealthy needs. They, they are inappropriately needy, unapologetically needy, and they're always wanting more. Have you ever found that out? They always want more. You see, vampires, they need our time, our energy, our, our attention. They need, they need, they need, and they need more, and they drain you. And, and in the end, they just suck you dry. Emotionally, physically, financially, spiritually, they, they drain you, and they leave you wilted and anemic and, and frustrated, man, and on the verge of burnout, if not already burnt out. And it's just not healthy. It destroys community. You see, vampires, they not only take our, our attention, our, our money, resources, time, but they also sap us of the, of the life and joy and peace that, that Christ brings to us. And all too often, when they've completely drained you, when you have nothing left to give, they just kind of just wander on over to the next person. They're like, let's start the process afresh, eh? Right? Yeah, I know. Here we go. Sorry, I shouldn't have done that. That was weird. All right. But they're, they're, they're just... They, they don't even realize, but they just keep going to the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person, the next community, the next group of friends, the, the next church, and they drain you, and they take all they can, and, and most of the time, they're, they're unaware that they're even doing this, and so I'm calling these people community killers today because they, they take, and they take, and they take, and they never give back, and in the end, they only work to destroy the community. 
They just want to be served, right? They're consumers. They're, they're shoppers looking to be satisfied, and yet, well, yeah, whatever you give them, it's never good enough. And their primary goal, it's not to help out. It's not to pitch in and lend a hand, man. It's just to, hey, what can you give to me? That's a vampire. And if I can be brutally honest, man, these people are selfish. They're sick. They're unhealthy. They have a wound in their soul that needs to be addressed so that Jesus can penetrate you with his love and heal you. And yet at the same time, they're probably really un, unaware that this is even going on. So it's, it's kind of this, this dangerous dance. We talked about self-awareness last week, right? We really do need to grow in self-awareness. We really do need to ask the Father to, you know, search us. Search me and know me. See if there's any offensive way in me. God, if I'm blind to something, I need to know it so I can bring my best self to the relationship so I can honor you, love you, strengthen our community. But vampires, man, they just want to be served. You see, the body of Christ wasn't designed to be a place where we come to be served. As good as the worship is here, as good as the preaching is, I hope, you know, um, <laughs> as, uh, you know what I mean? Like, as, as good as the stuff that we get to do here is where the body of Christ actually wasn't designed to be this place where we come to be served. Instead, it was designed to model to us by Jesus, right, our, our captain, our founder, it was modeled to be this community where we come to serve one another, to benefit and bless one another, pour into each other. Mark 10, 45, right, the tail end of that story we already read, Jesus says these words, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, this is true community. It's this kind of attitude of Mark 10, 45 that promotes and builds up unity, community, peace, togetherness, right? It's, it's, it's this kind of attitude that is healthy, and yet it's the attitude of a vampire, this consumeristic mentality, this kind of heart posture. That's what destroys relationships, friends. And, and so this is you. If you have a tendency to be a vampire in your relationships, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's with your kids or your, your parents, your, your friends, your colleagues here at the church, if this is at all resonating with you, and maybe you're not even sure, and you're like, I, I think there's this kind of wake of people who keep being hurt by me, and I don't know what I'm doing, you might be a vampire, right? And if, if this is at all you today, I want to implore you to seriously address this behavior, to address this attitude, this, this need to be served. It's actually a wound in your soul that God wants to heal, and you need to repent of that behavior. And you need to realize it's actually not about you. Once again, it's not about you. It's not about what you can get and receive. It's actually about what you can give. You see, so often I think we have this napkin and we've placed it on our laps or around our, our necks. Instead, we need to take that off and actually put it over our arms like the servant's towel that it is. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? We need to serve one another. That's what we're called to do, man. Just like Jesus modeled for us. So if you're, if you're a vampire today, I'm just going to say this to you in love. Stop it. <laughs> All right? We just, let's just stop it. Let's stop doing that kind of stuff that destroys community. Let's, let's rather build up community. Something else really quick, and I'll, I'll call the worship team up. We're about done. Just really quick about vampires. One more thing here. Rather than walking the light of the gospel, rather than walking the light with God and with others, or, or, or rather choosing to walk in, in, in the light about their their sin issues, about what's going on in their, in their hearts, about how are they, where they need to, to grow in Christ. Man, vampires are those who choose to dwell in the darkness, right? 
They choose to dwell in the shadows of secrecy and sin and shame. In other words, vampires are those unwilling to walk in the light of Christ. And rather than confess and repent and, and walk in true fellowship with God and with others, rather they choose to settle, to, to live out a shallow, concealed existence, only ever letting people get to know them on that surface, superficial level. And this too, friends, it's a killer of community. Did you know that? This kind of interaction with others, it's, it's cheap. It's not true relationship. It's, it's cheap. It's offensive. And it's never going to allow us to experience the victory, the freedom that Christ came to bring us. I love what we see in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 7. Let me read this for us. This is the message we have heard from him who, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with who? With one another. Do you see that? Fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, it purifies us from all sin. Friends, if this is you, if you're a vampire, if you're unwilling to, to walk in the light of Christ, if you're unwilling to get honest, if you're unwilling to kind of get uncomfortable and vulnerable, I know it's a scary word, but vulnerable with others and journey with even just a couple close friends who know you, who can check in on you, who can truly care for you the way you need to be cared for. If you're unwilling to do that, then, then the community is going to be hurt because of that. And we're missing a vital part of our community. We're missing you. We, we need to bring our whole selves. We've got to walk in the light of Christ. We've got to be healthy and whole. And we've got to stop being creatures of the night, but creatures of, of the light. Amen? That's who we are, man. Children of the light. Children of God. Beloved children. Forgiven children. Pure, cleansed children. We don't need to walk around in shame any longer. We, we don't need to feel guilty about things that we did, but that it's already under the blood of Jesus. Now we can confess those and, and we can walk freely in a true relationship with those around us. Why don't we stand on up? Can, can we make an agreement today to put to death community killers? And to make instead every effort, every effort, every effort to live at unity with one another, to have peace with one another, to bring our best selves, and, and, and at times to periodically check in, okay, God, check me out. If there's anything offensive in me, God, rid it out of me. So I, I don't want to destroy this beautiful thing called the community, the people of God. I actually want to build it up. I want to I help. I want to contribute. I want to love others the way they've called me to do so. Let's pray together. And then we're done. Father, I want to thank you for your grace. God, your grace unending, your, your grace that you lavish upon us, God, that you pour over us, God, in, 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 in capacities, and in, in number so much more than we actually even need or can use up. God, you lavish grace upon us. And Lord, I pray that you do that this morning. Lord, I know that this is sometimes, these are hard messages to hear. And God, you know these are hard messages to preach as well. But it's important. 
because we're talking about something that, that costs you your life. Relationship. Community. Walking in unity with one another. God, you care about this, and so should we. And so, Lord, I, I just, I pray on behalf of my friends here today, God, that you would give us courage this morning, that you would give us courage this afternoon and this week, God, to come before you to, to, with, with, our, with our hands open, God, our hearts open, laid bare before you, God, and saying, God, just see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We want to make every effort, Father, to live at peace with one another, to be healthy in our relationships, God, to, to honor and love one another and, and honor and love you, God. So, Lord, I don't know what everybody here, maybe some of us are struggling, God, with, with, with secrecy. Maybe we're struggling, God, with insecurity or shame. God, maybe for us it's anger, it's, it's rage. God, maybe, maybe in us it's, it's feelings of unworthiness. It's a desire to be first, pride, arrogance, boastfulness. Whatever it is, God, you have our permission to burn it out of us. Amen? Burn it out of us, Jesus. We want to be strong together. And Lord, I just pray right now that if there is any relational conflict in our lives, Jesus, that we would do all that we can to make amends, Lord. To live at peace with all people. God, maybe it's a sibling. God, maybe it's an ex. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's a pastor that we need to go to and say, and I've, I feel resentful. God, give us the courage to do that. Holy Spirit, give us the words to say. And Jesus, bring deep healing that we need in our souls so we can be healthy. We can be healthy together. And that we can be this healthy demonstration of, uh, of the relationship that we have with you, God, to the rest of the world. So Jesus, we love you. God, we give you praise this morning. We give you permission to come and to shape us the way that you see fit. And we praise you that you're good, God. You are so good. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.